Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the Effortless Swimming Podcast. My guest today is Simon Griffiths, and he's the founder and publisher of H2O Open Magazine, which is a magazine about open water swimming and everything that that incorporates and the races around the world and, and some of the great swims you can do. So, Simon, welcome to the podcast. Uh, good morning. Well, good morning for me, at least. I guess good afternoon for you. Yeah, we're just starting to finish up the day, so it's dinner time after this, and you're probably just about to have breakfast, I, I imagine, being, in, <laughs> being where you are at the moment. Um, yeah, just have Ready to go. Good stuff. Well, the uh, the reason I wanted to get you on today was to talk uh, a bit about open water swimming and and some of the locations and and swims that that you would recommend for people around the world because you're probably one of the most qualified people to to speak to that. Um, and I know a lot of our listeners love to travel around the world and do some of these open water swims and um, you know and over summer do a lot of races. So I want to speak about that. Also want to talk about. The, the rabbit hole of open water swimming and, and how someone can start out with just small events and then get, I guess, somewhat addicted to to that feeling of swimming and then building up to something like an English Channel swim or, or a bigger challenge like that. Um, and also, I want to talk about where you see the, the sport going. Uh, and uh, first of all, I'd just like to ask you about why you started the magazine. So where'd that come from and, and how'd that come about? Okay. Um so going back to 2010, um, late 2010, I was doing some freelance work for a triathlon magazine that was in the UK called um, Triath- <coughs> Triathletes World, uh, which doesn't exist anymore. Or it was, it's got a, um, a website still. And it was a sister magazine to run as well. And I was doing some writing for them and most of the writing I was doing for them was about swimming and I, I've always had a personal interest in swimming. Um, I dabbled in triathlon but I, I was one of these people that was usually one of the first out of the water and then being overtaken on the bike and the run so um, triathlon could get pretty frustrating. Um, at the same time there was, in the UK at least, there, there was a number of swimming events starting out um, great great swim there was a, a series called great swim which had taken off and a lot of the triathlon organizers were putting on standalone swimming events and it was two years after Beijing which was the first marathon swim in an Olympic Games and there was uh, there's a there's an organization in the UK called the Outdoor Swimming Society which was becoming more and more active and um, they you know, promoting swimming outside um, and as far as I could tell and I, and I think it's still the case I mean it's definitely the case in the UK and I think it's pretty much the case anywhere in the world there wasn't a magazine anywhere dedicated to open water swimming and the triathlon press was was covering the open water swimming from a triathlete's perspective but that was really you know, mostly focused on on race technique um, and, and racing in wetsuits, which is what um, most triathlons end up in, at least in the UK, with the, with the water temperatures we've got. And it seemed to me that there was scope for a, for a magazine about the the much more uh, the, the much wider aspects of open water swimming that that uh, triathlon wasn't touching. Uh, so the wild swimming and the marathon swimming and the non wetsuit stuff, the cold water stuff. And um, so I decided to start a magazine about it. 
What do you think the appeal is of open water swimming? Like, why do you why do you see so many swimmers just getting really falling in love with it? Because I, I see it a lot with uh, particularly athletes around Melbourne and athletes I've coached. Uh, people will take their holidays as they'll go overseas for one, two, three, four weeks, and it's got it's going to be a swimming holiday. They just go to different destinations and swim. What do you think that is? I well, if if I talk about it personally, and I, and I think. That this, a lot of that is generalizable as well. But for me, what I really like about about open water is is there's so much variety. Um, so, for example, we had a, a you know a couple of weeks ago it was a full moon, and I got a few friends over and we went for a, just a dip in the river. We we probably didn't swim more than 100 meters. We just had a had a little dip in the river and then had a had a hot chocolate afterwards. Um, this weekend, I'm I'm going down to to Cornwall, and I'll probably do some swimming in the sea. I'll probably do some some body surfing in the waves. Um, last weekend, I did a 14 kilometer swim in a river, um, in a in a wetsuit down, downstream swim swim in a wetsuit along with um, about five or six hundred other people. Um, a few weeks before that, I was doing a non wetsuit race at the the national championships. Um so the, there's just a, a, a really huge variety of things you can do. And then and with you're, you're in your winter and, and I don't know what whether you've got the same thing in Australia, but in the UK, winter swimming has become a lot more popular, for example. Um, it's not it's not something that particularly appeals to me, but <coughs> a lot of people are getting, you know, they're seeing how long they can extend their <coughs> sorry, excuse me extend their swimming season um, taking part in, in winter events. And um, so there's just, there's just lots of different things you can do. And I, I think that's uh, for people coming into the sport, they realize that there's not just, you know, if you're swimming in the, in the pool, it's all about speed. But if you're swimming outdoors, you've got a whole range of different challenges you can take on. So it's, you know, it's distance. It's, it can be speed as well. It can be temperature. It can be coping with the conditions um, but the, the the range of challenges is a lot broader, um, and the range of things you can do, um, you, can, you know, you can challenge yourself in in different ways, or you can just do it for fun. So there's there's just so many different things you can do. Yeah, there's almost a something for everyone there, isn't isn't there? It's like you know you can you can enter the open water races and and do your best there, or you, you can do those challenges where it's it's a cold. It's a cold temperature swim. Like we've got a, a swim here in Melbourne. Uh, it's held at St Kilda during the winter solstice, and uh, mm-hmm. I think a 250 meter swim, 500 meter swim, and a one kilometer option. And it's held at uh, just as the sun's going down. The water's mm-hmm. anywhere from sort of 10 to 12 degrees Celsius, and it's it's become you know, it's really starting to build up. It's been going for I think three years now mm-hmm. or four years, and it's uh, it's really popular and. That's not exactly my cup of tea. I have done it uh, a couple of times, but uh, afterwards, I'm glad I've done yeah. it. But it's just hard getting in the water. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you can do those cold, cold temperature swims, uh, or you can go for the longer stuff. I mean, I just was chatting with Chloe McArdle, who's one of the greatest marathon yeah. swimmers uh, there's, there's ever been. She's she has a record for the uh, the longest solo swim ever, and that's an extreme yeah. example. But uh, you know, you can do swims like the English Channel and the um, and the Catalina Channel and all these sorts of things. And um, once you get stuck into it, it might take a couple of years to build up to it. But it, yeah, it, it doesn't matter if you're fast or slow or whatever, you can really yeah. set that, that bar where you want it to be. 
yeah, no, I think that's that's a lot of the appeal. Um, and and I also think um, one of the other aspects to it is it's again compared with pool swimming, um, it's a, it's a lot more social. Um, and I think if you can compare it maybe with 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 cycling or running as well. Um, if you're if you're swimming outdoors. For example, I mean, I don't know what it's like in in Melbourne, but in in the UK, you can't take your camera into a into a swimming pool and, and start taking selfies or pictures. You'd, you'd be arrested. Uh, but you can do that at open water, so it's it's a lot more uh, shareable. So there's a lot of the um, swimming groups around the UK are, are sort of based or communicate through Facebook because it's it's more shareable. And you can also with technology with, with things like um, uh, GPS watches, you can track your swims. Um, people start showing their swims on things like Strava. Um, so there, there, there's all those sort of added aspects to open water swimming that don't exist in, in pool swimming, which I think are, are really appealing. Mm, definitely. And what is what is some of your uh, favorite locations for, for swimming? Uh, so, I mean, you would know about probably most most of the swims around the world, at least most of the big swims around the world, um, just through the magazine. And whether they're ones you've done or ones that you've heard about, what are some of those sort of prime locations that you'd recommend people check out? Yeah, you, you, you warned me about this question. I was thinking about it in advance. Um, and there are just so many now. It's really hard to, it's really hard to choose. Um, so I, I've opted for one that's well, relatively speaking, close to home, although it's still a six-hour drive for me. Um, but the UK, the UK Lake District is, um, and I, I, I don't know everywhere in it, but I've been there quite a few times now. Um, it's it's about six six hours outside of London, um, up in the the north um, northwest of of England. Um, I mean, anyone that knows it will will know it's a, a sort of collection of lakes and mountains. Probably not not by Australian standards, lakes and mountains, but uh, they're the tallest mountains in England anyway, and and the and the biggest lakes. And the the scenery is is stunning, and um, but also the lakes are really accessible. So uh, so for open water swimming, it's you know it's easy to get in. They're relatively safe. Uh, quite a lot of the lakes don't permit boat traffic either so you're not going to get run over by jet skiers or anything like that um and then you know the temperatures it can be cold but in the, in the summer it's quite tolerable for for open water swimming so uh i think that's that's quite a special place um and then if i was if i was picking one outside of england um and this this is one that i've been to rather than one that i've heard about but um I recently made a trip to Spain and, and the Costa Brava, and there's a there's a company there that's working with local authorities to create what they call sea swimming lanes. And what they've done is they've they've marked off um, stretches along the coast. They they're usually quite short, around one or two kilometres, um, but they're stretches along the coast uh, that they've they've buoyed off, and uh, several of them are in sort of nature reserve areas. Uh, so boat traffic isn't allowed inside them, um, but you can you can swim there, and they've got signage up to direct you where to go. You can swim from one end to the other end and walk back along the coast, or you can swim there and back. And I think it's a really nice 
idea to um, you know to to engage with swimmers and to welcome swimmers to to an area, and I think they've they've done it really really nicely. Uh, so I think that that would be worth if you're travelling in Europe. That that's something worth looking into if you want to swim. Yeah, I, some of the swimming around Europe is just spectacular. There's so many destinations to um to swim there, especially in summer. Uh, I did a, a swim trek uh, a number of years ago now in uh, Kash in Turkey, and that was just mm-hmm. just amazing. So um, I'd love to go back there. Or I was uh, on my honeymoon in Croatia and Greece, and got to just mm-hmm. doing my own swims there. Uh, but just beautiful places to um to be. And um, there's a lot of uh, people who run week long camps and uh, and swimming trips there. So it's there's a lot of options to to the swim there. And I mean, you've what are some of the providers around there? You'd, you'd know them through the the magazine. There's there's a lot happening, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. So when when we started the magazine, there was really just uh, swim track. Who have I think they're now in their thirteenth or fourteenth year. Uh, so so swim track, you know the the founders of that type of holiday in a way uh, but over the last four or five years there's there's been an increasing number of companies um, so sort of in competition with swim track um, but you know each each one's doing things slightly differently so uh, you know there's swim quest who um, I think they they focus on on some of the more um i don't know the the luxury end of swimming perhaps a bit more um and then you've got some companies that are very much focused on a particular location so there's um uh, there's a the big blue swim that focus on a, a few islands in greece because they they've got a sort of family connection there and there's a swim the Riviera, which uh, again is a I don't know if you've come across this a, a French swimmer, um, former international open water swimmer like Brander, um, and he just focuses on on his local area. So so you've got some, you know the the swim swim treks and the swim quest who who cover a lot of destinations, and they've got some who have picked a particular area. And have become specialists in in that particular region where they that they know particularly well. Yeah, yeah, right. There's um, yeah, I'd love to go back there next year. In our winter, get out of the cold and just find <laughs> some warm warm water, warm weather. That's what I'd love to do. Yeah, uh, one of the one of my favourite locations here in Australia is uh, up in the Tablelands near Cairns in Port Douglas. It's called Lake mm-hmm. Lake Heacham, and it's mm-hmm. it used to be a, a volcano. Hundreds of thousands of years ago, and it's now filled with water. So I think it's sixty mm-hmm. or eighty meters deep at the very mm-hmm. bottom, but it's kind of like a crater filled with water. Yeah. And there's no boats, nothing like that. And it's us- there's yeah. usually very little wind. It's f- completely flat. So mm-hmm. we went up there with a training camp and just swam a couple of laps yeah. of it, and it was just so good. Like the temperature was was about where you want it, maybe twenty six degrees, twenty seven degrees, <laughs> and just fantastic. Yeah, a lot of people would say that's too warm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah. I mean, we we ha- in the in the magazine we have a um, a section on swim travel because it it just seems to be such a such a um, you know such an interest for many swimmers. Um, so every, every week or every issue, sorry, not every week because we're we're bi monthly, but every every issue we we feature one or two destinations and. Each one I see, I'm thinking, oh, I need to go there for my next holiday. Yeah. 
<laughs> but I always seem to end up too busy. So no, but we've we've had from New Zealand, from from Australia, um, from the from the from the Cayman Islands, um, from to the US, to different places in Europe. Um, we've had some. I think we've had uh, some in Japan one time. So really, any almost anywhere in the world, you, it seems that people find places to swim and explore through swimming. Yeah, there's too many places and not enough time. It seems like when yeah. you when you look at all of those, where where do you see the the sport growing, and not necessarily the competitive side of it, but uh, like the swim adventure uh, type of thing and the the cold water swimming? Where do you sort of see it all going? Yeah, so um, what I I think what we see is a is a um sort of a divergence from the triathlon style event. Um, I think if you look back sort of six or seven years, a lot of the, in terms of events, a lot of them had a sort of triathlon format. Um, and I think that, you know, that's partly because the a lot of the first events that were coming online were um, by triathlon organisers who, who realised that there was an opportunity to, to get some additional people to their event. They already had everything set up. Uh, you know, you come in and you swim two laps of a lake or four laps of the, you know, and you, you, you'd have a triathlon distance type swim. So a lot of the early swims were 1,500 metres, 1,900 metres or 3,800 metres sort of tying in with triathlon distances. And I, and I think what we're seeing is swimmers moving away from that and not wanting a, a practice swim for a triathlon or a swim that mimics the, the first portion of a triathlon, but they're looking for events that are specifically for swimmers. So we're seeing more point-to-point swims, for example, um, and non-standard distances. Um, or it, So in competition terms, the, the, you might see 3K and 5K as, as swimmer distances rather than triathlon distances. But you also see um, distances that are determined by geography rather than than a standard so the length of the lake for example there's a up in the lake district there's a length of the lake swim which is 5.25 miles um and i I did another swim um on the on the east coast in the thames estuary uh, a few weeks ago which was 3.3 kilometers because that just happened to fit with where they had a convenient start and finish location along the coast and so so i think there's there's that trend and there's there's also the the um and i think this ties in with the, with the point you were making about the sort of the rabbit hole of swimming that you know people might start with a a one mile swim or they might start with a triathlon style swim in a wetsuit um and then they start thinking well you know i've done a, i've done a mile could i do 5k could i do 10k <clears throat> could i do that swim without a wetsuit um okay i can do that swim in 20 degrees could i do it in 15 degrees and and so on an individual level as people come into the um you know people come into open water swimming some of them just want to go faster over over a specified distance but other people follow this progression where they they try to swim longer and longer distances and in in colder water and i think uh, event organizers are uh following that and producing and creating events that support that that route for people 
um, through the sport. And mm. um, so I think what that those are all positive things. I think what what we have to be aware of as as swimmers and as as people promoting the sport, and I think event organisers um, also need to be aware of it, is that um, as you make events longer and more challenging, there's the, you have to really um, ensure that you're keeping people safe. Um, and I, I, I think one, one of the things, and it, this is again a parallel with triathlon. I mean, when I was doing triathlon 20 years ago, uh, people would do sprint distances and Olympic distance for a few years before they'd even contemplate doing Ironman. But now you talk to people that they, oh, I've, I've just taken up triathlon and I've signed up for an Ironman in, in eight months' time or whatever. Um, and, and the Ironman is the first triathlon they do. Um, and I, I think there's also a danger of that happening in in swimming or, risk, or that there are risks associated with that in swimming if if someone looks at what other people are doing who have been swimming for several years and have built up a lot of experience and have adapted to swimming long distances and have um, learned how to cope with cold water and know how to spot what the risk factors are. And you could get people coming into open water swimming rather than following that progressive route and learning along the way and deciding to tackle something big and challenging as their first swim and which you know people do it in Ironman and 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 you can do it but um I think there's there's more risks of of things going wrong um I don't know whether you're seeing that in the in the triathlon side of things as well but um I think we we have to be aware that when we're putting on challenging events that there will be people that are tempted to do them that might not have the experience to successfully complete them Mm. Um, so I think that there's just something to be aware of that as as the sport develops and more opportunities come up for people to swim more challenging events that we need to make sure that there's always a pathway for for people new to the sport so that they can develop the skills and the experience they need so they can safely tackle the harder events yeah yeah that makes sense it seems at least uh at least here there's a lot probably in the last two or three years there's a lot more events being added, uh, a couple of longer ones as well, but a lot. Basically, every weekend over summer and mm-hmm. some spring and autumn, you can go to an event every day of the weekend. There's so much happening, mm-hmm. uh, and they're now starting to add some aquathons. Like there's one down in Melbourne or near Melbourne that starts at a place called Portsea near the entrance to Port Phillip Bay Heads there, mm-hmm. and uh, then it go. It's a swim run. It's, I think it's about 10k of swimming. 35k of running and there's about mm-hmm. 15 different sort of in and outs of the water and it finishes up yeah. at a place called Mornington so it's a, a long race and like you were saying it's a more of a point to point race yeah. uh, as opposed to you know it's a 1200 meter swim or a 3.8 kilometer swim yeah. it's uh and that, and I think that appeals to a lot of people and I, I'm doing that frog challenge because I, I just love that part of the coast and the challenge <laughs> of actually sort of making your way all the way from Port Sea up to Mornington by swimming and by running that's really yeah. appealing so i think those races are will probably become a lot more more popular because a lot of times people don't care too much about the distance in open water in the pool obviously you've got the same conditions you've got the same distances you can compare your times but for a lot of people it's more just about swimming their best in that that race or or just mm-hmm. completing it yeah 
So, yeah, no, I think we're, you know, swim run is something that's that's taking off here as well, and and I, in in some ways, I think there's more in common. Swim run has more in common with open water swimming than it does in triathlon in some ways because. Um, again, it seems to be non-standard distances. It's the challenge of getting from one place to another, rather than the um, the very competitive face of triathlon that you see. That is, you know, standardised distances, um, and uh, you know, it's, the way it's structured is is very much around competition. Uh, whereas swimming, and although it has that, and you can do that if you want. You've got the the sort of the challenge aspect to it as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, where can uh, where can people find the magazine, and how can they subscribe and purchase H um, two Open? Yeah, so so we've got a website, um, which is h two openmagazine dot com, and and you know we 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 put stories on the website a few times a week. Um, the, the main features and articles go in the printed magazine, which comes out bi-monthly. Uh, there's a subscribe link from our from our website, and we we do post it anywhere in the world. So um, most of our subscribers are in the UK because that's that's where we're based and where we do most of our marketing. And um, I mean, postage is quite expensive to send it to Australia, uh, but we do have print subscribers in Australia. Um, We've also got a, a digital version, which is a, a complete replica of the print magazine, and we've got an app on the well, it's in, it's in the Apple Store, and it's also um, in Google Google Play Store, and it just costs a few dollars for uh, for a thing. You can download a single issue for that and take a look, and and obviously, if you're a digital subscriber, you you don't have to pay the postage, so that's the same cost um, anywhere in the world. Um, so that's that's a that's an option for people that aren't in the in the UK or don't want to wait two or three weeks for a magazine to to arrive from the UK. So that's h2openmagazine.com. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. So if you're uh, if you love your open water swimming and you're you're looking for new places to go on holiday and swim, uh, that and looking for tips as well on swimming, that is the the place to go. So um, I might have to check that out before I pick a destination for next year. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're, if you're over in Europe, uh, well, if you're in the UK, then obviously give us a call um, and we, we'll take you somewhere to swim. Yeah, I'm hoping to get over there next year. So that's the plan. And if I do, I'll, uh, I'll be in touch and that'd be great to, to meet in person. Right. Yeah, I look forward to it. Awesome. Thanks, Simon. And uh, thanks. yeah, thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com.